I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudat. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. So uh, I'm in a holy place in a beautiful part of the world with an incredible, amazing being in the most unexpected way. As uh, I told you earlier, Danny, my friend, introduced me to John, who I would hope one day will also consider me a friend. And uh, John is in his 80s, doesn't look it clearly. And he is a YouTube sensation. He teaches us about spirituality, meditation, uh, really connecting with the self in ways that I found so inspiring that I decided it was worth to take the trip all the way to come and meet him where he teaches, where he tells us what I believe is the truth. So we are in Bakewell, somewhere near Manchester. Don't quote me on my geography. I have no idea where that is. I met John a while back. We tried to film this on the hill and then due to our luck, it was windy. And so we ended up in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful house of God. And John comes here twice a day to meditate and teach meditation. And I think that will be probably one of my very, very important investigations today to try and understand meditation in a church seems to be an, an interesting meeting of, if you want, East and West in our world today. But I want to start by saying thank you so much for giving me the time. Thank you so much for the wisdom that you share with the world. It's been quite, um, quite shocking, really, how much of our world is moving in a direction where they they need more and more of what you uh, teach us, John. But I want to start from here. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about this beautiful place? Well, I can, Mo, but may I first of all correct a little bit of your introduction? Absolutely. First of all, I do not consider myself a teacher. Most teachers don't. And uh, I'd rather that word was avoided. I'm an old man and I've had a lot of experience which I'm willing to share, but I make no presumption to be a teacher. Neither do I consider myself to be wise. <laughs> Most wise people don't, John. Well, then I join their company because it really is, it's the mis most misleading thing. In fact, it's anyone who thinks they know or has or is entitled to teach others is on the slippery slope. So I'm careful to avoid it. I have no wish to be considered in that way. Now, this church that I come to, well, like most English churches, it goes back a long time. When did men, it's on a natural promontory of rock overlooking a valley. And no doubt, prehistoric men stood here and thought about life. And probably before them, the dinosaurs lay here and looked over the valley and similarly considered whatever they did. So when the first building was put up, God knows. But you know, stones go on from one building to the next, don't they? They fall down, they're used for the next building fall down and they're mm. used again and again. So these stones surrounding us. They've lived. They've lived. The earliest bits of this church remaining go back to, uh, well, not quite Roman times, but uh, very early on. And then bits have been added on, as, uh, on and off ever since. So some bits are medieval, some bits are Victorian. But I like to come here to meditate and feel I'm in the, a thousand years of prayer have taken place in this place. 
And um, although I've explored far and wide in the world of religion, I don't really consider myself a religious play, a religious person. I, uh, I'm glad that this, as I use, I feel grateful to use this traditional English place of prayer. And uh, especially I love this. There's a lovely spire above us reaching up to the sky. Mm-hmm. And here in this space of the church, I like to think of all the different people and all the different teachings and thoughts and contentions and agreements that have taken place here. And yet, above the, above this space, the building tapers up in the spy, lovely, gracious spire, reaching up and dissolving into the infinite sky, which is an exact symbol of meditation exactly how it is that here is the world a conglomeration of confusion very often and yet when we meditate it we just let go and rise and dissolve into the infinite as is demonstrated by every church spire in the country and indeed the perpendicular arm of the cross but meditation has not been central, I believe, to some of the Abrahamic religions. So, you know, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, we have prayer. We don't have meditation. Well, words, words, what do words mean? (laughs) Who knows what meditation is? I hardly know myself. What is meditation? What is the spire doing? I told you, dissolving into the infinite. Now, doesn't any person... Didn't those dinosaurs, prehistoric men who sat on this rock, looked out over the space of the valley? Aren't they taken into the greater space? Mm. Long before anybody used a word like meditation, Mm. it's the most natural thing in the world. Look, any man that that, uh, looks up at the sky, looks up at the stars, or stands on a hill and gets a broader point of view. That's natural meditation, isn't it? What do you want an artificial system for? Mm. Meditation is just as normal as breathing. Everybody does it naturally. That's very interesting. But this day and age we make, everything so complicated. Everything's got to be processed through the mind of man and come up with some clever word like meditation. Which, which we spend half our lives trying to figure out what it means. It's as simple as that. Bakewell is a beautiful spot. People come here for just, just to sit by the river and feed the ducks. We sit on a bench there, have their fish and chips, feed the ducks, have a lovely day. What's that if not meditation? Natural meditation. They go home feeling better. And that's, definitely what we've been missing in the fast-paced, you know, running, running, running kind of modern world because, you know, in a way we don't even have the time to feed the ducks anymore. To our loss. Mm. So most people find something that anyone who keeps a dog, strokes a dog as a natural meditation, isn't it? Mm. I know they're not there are many things. Uh, <coughs> my mother, for example, used to knit. Mm. She spent her evenings knitting. What better meditation was there than sitting by the fire knitting? That was an artist. There's no better meditation than drawing a pencil, careful drawing the outline of a tree. Mm. That's natural meditation. Anybody that does anything carefully. Oh. If you just cut up, veg- cut up vegetables carefully, attentively, that's meditation, isn't it? Mm. it? It's bringing the attention to a point, and then you find the mind is naturally quiet. Because if you're attending to something, you've no time to be thinking, have you? Mm. It's ever so simple. Mm. If you just clean your teeth attentively, you'll find you're not thinking in those few moments when you clean your teeth. Mm. 
that, that's what meditation is. Meditation is just a way of, of, of as it were, bypassing the agitated mind. But then you still come here uh, twice a day, as you told Yes, me. well, this can, this, can, this can be taken further and further and further. Mm. But I, I, I do wish to emphasize how natural it is and how in little ways we can, we can have rather, rather, you can say sort of childish meditations, you know. <laughs> then you beginner's be, Beginner's yeah. meditations, <laughs> but the, the, no, not to, not to, not to uh, disparage it. Because um, then one may develop it further, yes, further and further and further. Indeed, I've been practicing for 60 years and had a lot of experience. Yes, where does it end? Because where does the church spire end? Mm -hmm. Where does the infinite end? Mm -hmm. And uh, may we, yes, indeed, it may deepen and deepen and just end up becoming the great adventure without end as life itself dies out and one may grow out of this life into, into, the, into the infinite. There are some spiritual teachings that tell us that the way you live here is the way you are in the infinite. The way you are in the infinite? Yeah, so basically if you live a life that is a life of compassion, as you leave this physical world, you live a life of compassion. If you live a life of reflection and contemplation, of calm, uh, while if you live a life of, uh, you know, anger or aggravation or grabbing, that becomes your unsettled state in a next life, if you want. So maybe we should talk about life first. What is life? This life. Mm. Well, I'm... The one thing I know about meditation is that it, you can't describe it. Look, no. how can you, well, if you think of the church spire again, I talk of it dissolving, but how can you describe it? Mm. Dissolves into what? Mm. Who knows? Mm. Who mm. can describe God? Who can describe the infinite? Description belongs to this lower world, this world of separation. To describe something is putting it into a little box. This is the world of duality. Mm. The real world is beyond description. That's confusing. I understand that, but that's for a humanity that has become so obsessed with knowledge, so obsessed with everything has to fit in a box. That's a very difficult place to be for someone to tell them, there is something beyond this, but it's not describable. It's as simple as pie. Look, here am I, you and I, just sitting here. Look, let's just stop talking for a minute and be quiet. It's silent, isn't it? We're sitting in silence, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Our eyes are blinking in stillness. We're breathing in Silence, perfect silence. The wind is buffeting the church in silence. Simple, isn't it? In utter simplicity. You can't describe it. You can describe silence. <laughs> Nobody knows what it is. Couldn't be simple. It's everywhere, but it's intangible. Intangible, it's intangible and it's indescribable. But you know, the very first step in this work is just to stop talking. <laughs> stop talking and stop thinking? Well, thinking is more difficult. You can't really stop thinking, but you don't have to. There's no reason to stop thinking. What for? Thinking isn't a problem if you know how to deal with it. Mm. Thinking is a problem if you think it's a problem. No, let, tell me more. What Can is I it? tell you how to deal with thoughts? Mm -hmm. Well, think of on a day like this, it's the sky is half cloudy and half clear, isn't it? Mm. When the cloud comes over the sun, it cloud takes over, doesn't it? Mm. 
Well, think of the thoughts like clouds, and then what happens when you get in an aeroplane? You get above them. You go up above the clouds. What's above the clouds? Space. And you can't describe space, can you? Who can describe the space? You can describe clouds. But clouds are just clouds. Like the mind. The mind's just a layer of clouds. And they cover our light, they cover. On cloudy days, they do, yes. But you see, if we have moments of attention, when we actually peel an apple, for example, with attention, then you see that attention is akin to an aeroplane. And it just takes you through the clouds. You just forget about the clouds then, don't you? Mm. And just as you forget about them, what happens? They just disappear. And then when you, when, when you start giving them attention again, they come back. Why then have we glorified thinking so much? Why do we live in a world where everything's about thinking? <laughs> Two things in this world have no limit. The foolishness of man and the mercy of God. Because we don't know any better. Hmm. I mean, some people will say, but this civilization we've built, the bricks laid one on top of the other uh, to form this church is some kind of a cleverness of man. Yes, indeed. Well, if that's, if that's your aim in life, mm. to be clever and build clever buildings, well, God bless you. If that's what you want. But you may want something else. You may want the infinite. Oh, no, no. Don't tell us this and stop here. What does that mean? I want the infinite. You want the infinite. So how do we get to the infinite? Pay attention to it. Go in that direction. Seek it. And where is it? I've just told you. It's here, isn't it? Hmm. This, first of all, start with the silence. Where does silence end? It has no end. We first experience it here, fills the valley, goes out beyond the valley, all the way to our homes. The silence is infinite. And isn't it the same as space? And isn't it also still and unchanging and undivided? What? Mm. What? Universal? If you like silence, stillness? And what is spirit? What is peace? Isn't it peace? Mm. Isn't it freedom? Isn't it? It is, isn't it? Spirit. And it's here. It's interesting, but the little bit of elastic you see in our, in our, in our habits, but, but, you see. Because, of course, we're accustomed to not be silent. We're accustomed not to be at peace. We're programmed to be restless. Mm. Although instinctively we yearn for rest. And all we've got to do is just be present, be here now and recognize that it is present. The Lord is with us. God is present. As Jesus says, I am with you always. Mm. We are absent. This is the human. We are absent from the presence of God. Why? Why did Adam fall from paradise? We're tempted. And we're foolish, like a puppy on a lead, always wanting to go off somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you watch the little ducks on the river. Oh, they're always wanting to go off, and the mother there just sort of patiently calls them back again. <laughs> so, by the way, I... I want to ask a few more questions about this. I'll come back to them because I don't know if everyone can grasp what we just said. No, you can't grasp it with the intellect. Of course you can't. It's more than that. And see, what, what motivates us? Well, 
You see, very often, so we, we swan along, uh, going our own way in this life, and then what happens? Well, very often someone dies, or there's some tragedy, something brings us up short. Something breaks the complacency of our lives, and we begin to think a little bit more deeply what it's all about. This is how it often starts. Yes, indeed. When I learned to meditate, I was 26. I'd uh, gone out to South America. I'd be also been in business. I'd, I'd done quite a lot, really, in those first years of my life. And I went out to South America to make the world a better place. I was mm. a young farmer. I thought I, I knew how to grow food to feed the hungry. And... Um, and when I was out there, there was one particular occasion. I was, uh, I'd been planting trees, trying to reforest the Andes. And, uh, and I was sitting on a mountain one day, and a little voice said to me to make whole, be whole. Well, I didn't understand what it meant, of course, but um, been trying to understand it all my life, really. But many, many people are, have a motivation to try to do good, try to help others, try to make the world a better place. Young people are full of it these days, aren't they? Crusading against pollution and one thing and another. Well, that's what I was told as a young man, to make whole be whole. And uh, somehow I, I related, I'd heard of meditation. Meditation was quite new in the West at that time, really unknown. And anyway, when I came home, I looked for and I found a school of meditation. And I practiced ever since. And gradually, the meaning of those words has, has developed. And I've come to realize that, uh, that in, in discovering the wholeness within myself, I thereby could reflect that into the world around me. And this gave me a a huge motivation to continue with what I now call this work. Mm. Well, people come to it in different ways. And when I went to, um, to be taught to meditate in London, I was asked, what do you really, really want in life? Well, I knew what I wanted at that time. But people will, will give many answers. Very often it's, Peace, love, to love and be loved, freedom. It's usually in, in the, those sort of answers. Happiness. Happiness. Which are all rather intangible, aren't they? Mm. Hard to say exactly what they are. Mm. But, but when we begin to discover this, this what's beyond, you see, this material existence, this world that comes to pass, then we begin to realize that this is where all these indescribable, intangible objectives come from. They're all actually features of the one infinite reality, mm. which is unfailing, you see, whereas this world, you go off on holiday, you have freedom, you climb, have an adventure, climb a mountain or something, you've got, got to come back home again, haven't you? Mm. You fall in love, it's marvelous. May or may not work out. Eventually, one of you dies. Mm. Those things happen. Mm. This life is a temporary phenomena, and the human soul craves for what doesn't say no. The eternal reality, the kingdom of God, eternal life. So we go through this life, and we set all of those targets, mm. and we run, 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 run. And many of us never reach. Indeed, no. Do you believe that this is God's will for them to not reach somewhere? Or why do some of us tread that path and others not? Yes, I spent many, many, many years trying to understand what's meant by God's will. Why indeed? As I understand it now, Everything in this world is under perfect law. Mm. I was a farmer. I've had many, many opportunities to observe the grass, 
the earth, the insects, to see that everything happens. Look on a day like this, every leaf in the country is undulating, moving, according to the currents of the wind, isn't it? Absolute perfection. A few leaves are being blown off the trees and are finding their way back to the earth. Even the grass is moving and bending in the wind, isn't it? And here in the church, you can hear it in the, on the roof of the church. Look, here are the bells. Hear the echoes of the bells. Perfect sound, isn't it? Absolutely. Every hair of our, why do our hairs on our faces grow as they do? Because our eyes perfectly operating, blinking, cleansing the eyes. Isn't every grain of dust in perfect order? Every spider in every corner? Perfection. What is not perfect? And although it's more difficult, because we can't see it, but from such examples extended, one can realize that nothing happens without a reason. Without? Without a reason. There's no such thing as an accident. Things happen for a reason. Now, this life is a very temporal thing here today and gone tomorrow. Where did we come from? Where do we go? We don't know. But uh, again, as a farmer, I'm only too well aware that, that what you do one year is has an effect in the next. If you put manure on the land one year, it'll grow bigger crops the next year. And so it is with us. But how well we live is somehow transmitted. Don't ask me how, but, but it is, isn't it? Why are we born different? Where's the shape of our bodies? You know, we're both of us. Look at the color of our skin is different. Why is it? I'm a mixture of two races, half English, half Russian, and both play a part in my character. Mm. Very noticeable. So it is with, with, with all of us. So, although I can't explain, I sort of am confident that, that our passage through this life is ordained and, and, and it has a purpose. It's, uh, there's an old hymn, God is working his purpose out mm. as year succeeds to year. And it's very interesting to being old. I look back now on my life and in many ways it's been a life of failure. We learn by our mistakes, so we're told. Which is I can see how in a marvelous way it's been what I needed and everything has been sort of conducive to a purpose. That's so profound. Mm. You look back at your life and it's been a life of failure that leads maybe to a purpose. Yes, indeed. Yes, absolutely. Because, you see, I come back to the fact that I'll have to quite, I'm rather inclined to quote scripture, so forgive me if I do. See, one of the great sayings of Jesus is that the the kingdom of God is not of this world. You see, this world is a temporary thing, isn't it? It's here today, it's gone days. tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. Only too obvious, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's fine one day, it's wet the next. Look me, I'm, I'm soon going to die out. And yet this eternal reality, this silence, the silence which expanded reaches, contains the stars, doesn't it? It has no end. It's infinite. What am I if not that? Am I this performance, this temporal performance for a few short years? Doesn't man's, man's what? One's, what do we mean by the soul? Nobody knows, and yet it's that part of man that this insatiable longing for, for perfect love, for perfect everything, for perfection, for completion, that we just don't find in this world. For meaning, for the fullness of meaning. 
I assure you that I suppose this is why I've meditated for 60 years. Because little by little by little, so, so, so gradually, it has. You know, I'm still as excited at coming to meditate as I was when I started. The adventure never ends. Little by little, it, it reveals ever more and more. And in contrast, in the way this world gets smaller and smaller, smaller and more temporal. Ah, oh, that is again so profound. So I, I tend to feel as the years pass that all of this, all of this life, you know, when you're a younger person, it seems to be so exciting and so interesting and so important. And then, you know, you have experiences, you go through some of those things and you go like, that's it. Then you can have another experience. Yes, yes, it yes. just fades in its importance to you. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Indeed. And yet I'm still a child, you know. I really am. I'm still a little boy in a gray beard because in contrast to what opens up, I'm just in preparatory school, really. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that. What does that mean? How well, do you play? Well, I think this life to me now does seem a preparatory school, a sort of elementary school, first school, where we're prepared to move up into high school. Wow. And what is the high school? I don't know, dear. It's, uh, it's beyond description. But it, it, uh, but why should I? Why I cannot? If even the little bit that I do understand is beyond description, <laughs> that's the reason. That <laughs> and there's a there's a lovely biblical phrase from glory to glory. That's 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 what mm. it is. Mm. But why then? Why then is life complicated? Because uh, it's always very helpful to come back to silence. Let me just act as sort of add. Uh, one of my favorite uh, principles is feet on the ground. Because if we feel feet on the ground, the the ground is still, isn't it? Even if you're in a high-rise block of flats, if you put your feet on the ground, the floor is still. So if you want peace, my dears, you can never be closer to it than just feeling your feet on the ground. There you are. In the most crazy uh, pop concert or something, you can put your feet on the ground and feel the silence of the ground. Mm. And the silence. Now, this silence is undivided, isn't it? It's just silence. There's no question there. There's no argument. It's just silence. We all know what it is. And it's absolute simplicity. Now, when we turn away from silence into the world of description and thinking, you suddenly find what's called duality, which is this or that, good and bad, alternatives. And then one thing leads to another. Now, come back to silence again. In silence... There is an awareness of silence, isn't there? Mm. Otherwise, there's a recognition of it, isn't there? And it hasn't really got a name, has it? Now, when you turn away from silence, oh, John, Mo, suddenly you, you come into the world of two, mm. world of difference. Mm. Now, I'm John, I'm old, I'm Mo, I'm not so old, isn't it? No, you never know. Not quite as old <laughs> as we've been. <laughs> Young. <laughs> Younger. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so you can, you know, add on, I'm John, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so, I can give you hope, spend the rest of today just telling you all about my life story. Mm. And it gets more and more complicated. So, you see, we, we go, first of all, from one to two, and then by subdivision, division, division into complication, endless variations of the theme. That's the, that is the world of duality, the world of many, the world of complication. Come back to spirit, to one, and it's singular, isn't it? Just one. 
one I am. One I am, before I've added on, I am John, an old man of 80. Pure I am, pure being. Mm. It's the same for me, the same for you. Mm. As Adam in the Garden of Eden was singular. Mm. One man, one original being. Mm. Before he fell into a lower state of consciousness where there were alternatives, right or wrong. And so the world has spread out. But to come back to the silence is like the threshold of a world of unity, mm. a world of oneness. And people, of course, are trying desperately to, to try to find oneness in the divided world, which doesn't work very well, trying to make oneness out of the political system or, or make sense of it, of it politically. Well, the, you're trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear, aren't you? It doesn't really work. But if you come back to this true oneness, the unity of just being present in silence. And by the way, you can go on talking and yet be aware of the silence. It's like holding an invisible hand, isn't it? Holding onto this rock, this absolute reliability of the, of the silent presence while the performance goes on. And this is where inner strength comes from. This is where peace comes from. This is where a sense of unity of life comes from. Do I have wandered off your question? I can't remember what you asked me. It doesn't matter. You can't remember either. <laughs> because I have a, a hundred other questions. I'll ask a very personal question to my heart, John. So I've been feeling a calling, a craving. You live the life of a farmer, which is a life, one, in nature, but also sometimes in isolation. Sometimes yes, 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 yes. Seclusion, yes, yes. in my feeling, is something that is necessary for humans to introspect, to connect, to find themselves inside. I, when we were on our way here, I was telling you that I spend a big part of my life as a businessman yes, with the yes, noise yes, yes. and the travel and and I feel such a longing to just leave everything and disappear and be a farmer. Just, or at least allow myself a few months a year in a hermitage somewhere, in a monastery somewhere, right? Or I can just find that stillness. Where is that coming from? Yes, well, uh, yes, I suppose it's balance, you see. One extreme leads to another. Mm. And... Um, Yes, I've often thought that, that the reason that some people do not turn this way is because they are, they're not sufficiently unhappy. <laughs> is there something called sufficiently unhappy? Mm. That, that level of happiness that triggers you it, to it, people, give up? People are just happy enough with this life, and mm. then they don't bother, they're content. Well, fair enough. Mm -hmm. They'll continue until something spurs them to something better. Yeah, we are free. We, you can live as we like. We have the choice. Some hear the calling and some don't. Maybe, maybe they've got to live a few more lives or live a bit longer or wait until something happens, wait until their bubble of creation goes pop. They might look for something else. And you believe this calling is important for every one of us? It depends what, what people want. Some people don't. Some people want to be a champion swimmer or something, or people have all sorts of desires. Maybe they need to grow up a bit. <laughs> it's very natural, just uh, very interesting in life. What happens to our childhood? Mm. Where's it gone? Mm. We've just grown up, haven't we? Grown out of it. Mm. What happened to life itself in old age? We just grow out of it. Done it, in a sense. <laughs> Ready to move on. Mm. You know, when you've traveled the world, I've seen a lot of the world, in a sense, you've done enough. You lose that. You're always looking for something else. You said 
they're unhappy, they're not unhappy enough. <laughs> well, Does that mean unhappiness is a necessary part of life? I have to be careful of my words, Mo. I can, I'm all too aware how easy it is to speak foolishly. I don't like to speak with too much assurance about these things. I can speak from my own experience. Perhaps it's unwise to venture too far into commentary on other people's lives. There's a very good phrase, God knows, <laughs> and I do not. Mm -hmm. I think I'll leave it at that. What's happiness to you then? Strangely enough, I was on a, I was on another podcast a week or two ago called How to Die Happy. I think I'm the last person to ask that question. So I've never thought of myself as a particular happy man. Interesting. Particularly happy man. That it, I spent a long time looking back over my life trying to think when I'd been happy. Hmm. I suppose, I'm sure I have, many times really, but, um, I think I always found the word happy too small. It was just, it wasn't big enough to describe what, what I felt, I suppose, at those times. I think something that always is very full of meaning for me is to, I like to come up here in the early morning and in, in winter, on clear nights, the stars. I like to pause outside the church for a few moments and lean back over one of the tombstones and look up at the stars. That usually make, fills me with a sense of well-being, a sense of home, a sense of belonging. I think those are some of the, probably, it's deeper, it's bigger than happiness, isn't it? It's somehow more total in its, in, in its, uh, both its calling and its response. Like the depth of meditation call. I've spent much time in, in the great spaces of this life, not only on the open fields, but in deserts. Been to sea a few times. I've always felt happy in, in these conditions of great expansion, somehow mm -hmm. losing myself in something bigger than me. I've been happy with animals. I can't think of many experiences of happiness with people. Yes, I wouldn't say uh, I'm not a very peopley sort of person, really. Mm. Yes, most of my. I've never taken much pleasure in human human work either. The human arts have never meant as much to me as nature. Human cleverness has never really meant much to me. I don't really like talking much. But you should talk a lot. We like you to talk. Well, I've been rather pushed into it on in, at, on occasions like this, but... Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to push you. I really feel you that the, the, the most meaningful of communications is silence. Ah. You know, the fields don't use words, do they? And yet they communicate, don't they? See, there's the communication of the heart. Yes, that, 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 that's uh, in grouping, you see, is happiness, happiness. I, I, the real satisfaction of in man comes not from the transitory. It comes when you get into the deeper recesses of the heart. This is when uh, life begins to take on meaning, deeper meaning. Is he rather like the peace, the freedom, the love of this world is a transitory thing, an unreliable thing of a certain duration which then runs out or finishes or something? Is he real happiness needs to be of the eternal? Yes, I think that's what, what's why I say it's not big enough, but when it's, when it's, 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 the question is asked in the context of this world. Yes, nothing of this world is ultimately sufficiently satisfactory for the depths of human craving. We've got to reach up into the big country. 
That's how I, I think for me as a young man, that's why I, I sought out the deserts and the high mountains and uh, open seas, sort of, because there I could sort of get the first taste of what I now find in meditation. This infinite expansion, this infinite access of the unfailing, of the glory, of the glory that has no end. From glory to glory. Yes, and then in a way the pleasures of this life just are like tinsel, aren't they? They really are. Just child's play. Beautifully stated. You know, in Islam we have a description for this life. We say it's as if a traveler mm. on a very long journey. Yes. Sat under a tree. Yeah. For an hour. Yes. And then went on to continue his journey. Yes. When I talk to you, John, I feel that you're that traveler. Yes. That your life here in this earth is sort of an hour. You're sitting for that hour going like, mm, can we go on with the journey? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it feels that you, and probably many of us should, you grasp the, the impermanence of this. Yes. The, the insignificance. Yes of all of the, the little desires and nuisances yes, 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 yes. and challenges, when in reality the bigger journey, the true journey of belonging is really the real journey. Yes, yes, it is a belonging. Well, but you see, it does serve a purpose because we learn by our mistakes and it's only by Yes, it's only by disappointment or by loss is that we, we are motivated to seek further. If this world gave us the satisfaction we want, the happiness we want, why would we search further? And for some it does, well, God bless them. Then maybe they're not destined, it's, it's, that's okay. Maybe they're, they're not ready, maybe they're still not ready to move up into high school. Yes, that's how I see it, you know, some students are more ready than others to move up. We're all different, aren't we? How we learn, what we yearn for. I think I will end us here. I, I will leave us with the thought of high school. Yes. I think it's really something that most of us don't think about. Most of us no. run in the playground. Yes. We try to go through life and, and grab this and yes, yes, play yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. When there could be another school, there could be another stage. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I love, I love how you constantly refer to silence as the infinite. Well, it, it's the threshold of the infinite. It, it's, uh, it's, it's it, it, when talking about meditation, it's a very good um, access point because it's non-contentious. We all know what it is. It's very easy to to talk about. Really, if you talk about spirit, it's you know. We get a bit nervous and we get out of our depth, but silence is simple and comprehensible. That's why it's convenient to use it. Silence, stillness, space. Yes. I like to come back to it constantly. If people talk to me, though I get talking, I get uncomfortable, come back to stillness, feet on the ground, and again I feel that connection that invisible hand, as it were, to hold on to. And especially when I'm being interviewed like this and, and I always get a bit nervous that I'm going to say something stupid. I feel safe when I'm holding on to this. And then, of course, I now realize that this is the savior. This is the presence. This is, this is the reality, the spiritual reality of what's called Jesus of God, the Savior. This is what saves us from drowning in this ocean of temporality, this ocean of corruption, which is the world. This is the rock. And it's so easy to access. It's dead easy. You don't need belief. It's often just a matter of often it's almost as sitting by the river and feeding the ducks, you know, because instinctively, naturally, you'll feel, in contrast to the restlessness of your life, you just feel the rest of quiet waters, mm. just things being natural. The trees, they speak. They convey their message, you see. Come back to being natural. The human problem is that we're unnatural. 
<coughs> and there's nothing more natural in this world than meditation. I will leave you guys to think about this. I will leave you to think about that idea of an opportunity to live a life that is slightly different, that is silent. By the way, this podcast might be different than other podcasts that I've recorded where we spoke about business or about sports or about other things that were fast and they didn't have that moment of stillness in them. And I think we are at a place now where life is probably giving us a chance, you know, maybe the time we were locked down or the, the time when we, where we had opportunities like being locked down, where we could think about an opportunity to be silent, to be still, to go feed the ducks. And I think the simplicity that John brings to the topic makes it almost an unavoidable journey for all of us to try and find that space where we can actually listen to the bells of the church and find a moment of silence that connects you to yourself and to everything else. John, I cannot thank you enough for your time, for your non-teacher-like wisdom and uh, for your presence, because while everyone may be watching or listening to us might not have felt it as I felt it, you sit next to John and you feel that stillness, you feel absorbed in the quietness perhaps of nature itself. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with others. I think many could benefit from such wisdom. If you have not watched this, uh, maybe it's actually a good idea to watch this, at least part of this on YouTube, where you will see the beauty of this holy place. Yeah, and wh while you're on YouTube, my strong recommendation is to go to John Butler's channel to listen to lots of his teachings, lots of his meditation advice, lots of his spiritual advice, which I think you'll find extremely useful. Do read some of John's books. He wrote 10, but only published eight. We want the other two. And, uh, and I think it's, uh, it's, as I said, it's really up to you to try and find that space where you can actually connect to some of this brilliant work and some of that wisdom while you're there. As I always tell you, just reflect on the fact that regardless of how busy your life is, there's always a tiny, tiny little bit of time to slow down, to meditate, to reflect, to connect, to find the real human inside you. Uh, I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.